we became so risk adverse that we didn't know what else to do, right? We all just keep doing the same thing, keep doing the same thing. Mediocrity is like the worst teacher. We weren't completely failing, but we also weren't game buster success. We weren't allowing ourselves to take the risks to be able to become that, right? Or to do that. Machine Zone was valued at 10 million at one point, And now, you know, we sold for 5 million. It was still great, but uh, because we were so trying to mediate risk so much, we stopped doing, we stopped innovating. We stopped doing a lot of things that made us successful in the beginning, which was taking risks, right? Avoiding risk is risky too. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Katie Kuffel, and I'm joined by Liquid and Grits founder and CEO, Brett Novak. On this podcast, we spoke with Mike Sherrill, one of the founders of Machine Zone. In case you're not in gaming, Machine Zone released the legendary titles Game of War and Mobile Strike and generated over $5 billion in revenue with 310 million downloads. So how did Mike go from an Atari playtester to launching Machine Zone? Why did he get cease and desist letters from record labels? How did his company get Apple to include in-app purchases on their platform? You'll find out all that and more on this episode of Creators at Work. Dude, you have a, obviously besides your story with Machine Zone, a pretty cool story. You worked at Atari, which is obviously a legendary company. How did you get there real quick? And then how did it all start with Machine Zone and Y Combinator? I mean, I'm fired up to hear the whole story. So I'm going to do as little talking as possible and let you just drive, man. Starting at, at Atari, that's that's a, that's a funny story. I guess I want to start with, I grew up, like I love video games. I like lived and breathed video games. That was like my whole life. My mom hated it, but uh, <laughs> she's like, you can never make money playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we happened to prove mom wrong, which is which is cool. So I was spending all my time playing video games when I was a kid growing up. And I grew up, I'm going to date myself, but the internet was not out when I was a kid. It wasn't out until like finishing high school. And didn't mirror it wasn't what it is now. So even though I was, I was cons- my life was consumed by video games, I never really thought, look up how are video games made? And it never crossed my mind. How are video games made? Is someone making this? I never even thought, never came into my mind at all. I was playing all these games. I didn't think that somebody made it. I thought it was magic, basically, right? Like, it's just, oh, this game mm-hmm. came out of the sky, and here we go. It's cool. <laughs> Never thought there was people behind it making it and, like, doing all that stuff. So, you know, being, you know, really into video games at a high school, one of my first jobs was at Golfland, which is the local arcade. And so they would pay us, you know, our you know our hourly wage, and they would give us a bunch of free tokens every, with every paycheck. So we were spending all of our time just at the arcade playing. And you, I don't know if you guys see the Street Fighter machine back here. Street Fighter was, like, a huge part of my life. After work, we would sit around and we'd play Street Fighter all the time. One day, this older gentleman comes in. He's like, hey, you guys like playing video games, huh? And we're like, yeah, duh. And he's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, how would you like to get paid to play video games? And we're like, what, dude? Like, no way. It's not a real thing. Like, are you like, you got a child molester band out there? Like, you got like, what is what is this? Like, no, nah, dude, get out of here. Like, you know, so, you know, that guy, the guy left and, and, and whatnot. And uh, one of the dudes who I worked with, who actually was one of the founders uh, of Machine Zone, he quit. He just quit Golfland. And uh, we didn't see him for a while. And a month later, he shows up. He has those brand new gear, brand new skateboard, all this. And we're like, dude, where have you been? Where, what happened? He's like, dude. I work at Atari. I play video games. I get test video games. And I'm like, that guy was for real. <laughs> oh my God. So, so then a bunch of us all just went and we just like, oh, we applied to Atari and like, wow, I get to play, I get to play video games. And so that was the start of that. And, and then walking into Atari and just seeing, walking down the hall and seeing all of the posters on the wall of all the previous games, like uh, Pac-Man and Rolling Thunder and just all these games. And was like, wow, this is cool. And you see in the test lab and a bunch of, a bunch of other dudes and just just playing games. And who was, was that fun. guy at Atari? Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Was he I know. just a QA manager or what? 
He was the QA manager. Yeah. He was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His approach was wrong. He's like, Hey there, fellow kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, so being in the test lab and then we, sometimes you get to see not often because we were kind of sequestered, but you get to see like a, a programmer come in and you're like, Oh, this guy, like, oh, okay. It's code. Oh my, Oh wow. Okay. Um, and started like clicking, like actually how they're made. Then you see an artist sometimes and you're like, Oh, I'm going to be in, I was an artist myself. So I was like, oh, wow, I can actually do this. I can actually make a career out of this. Okay, so you're Atari. Then you went to KPMG, dude. Way, yeah. way to go way corporate from Atari. I know, I know. Okay, so testing, like being a tester back in the, you know, the late 90s wasn't like super glamorous. It was kind of, it kind of sucked. You were like, you're like a second class citizen. We didn't really have badges. We had to get escorted everywhere on the buildings. You know, we were like, yeah. the, you know, the dirty stepchildren, right? Um, I mean, I think that was <laughs> pretty true in the, the next decade as well, man. I mean, my <laughs> right. time at Zynga was all contract QA, for example. So we were doing, console we we're doing coin op testing and console when you submit a game to for console if you submit a game and it has an a bug in it i think there's a cost for, for atari to submit a game to nintendo or to sony or whoever and if you if they found an a bug during their testing their curing testing you got kicked you got it kicked back and you had to like do even more testing for the next submission right so we would be testing the same game for 500 hours oh. they would have to do 500 oh. hours on, on on the same build on the same build so if you found a bug that was like they'd be like oh now we got to do another build and now you'd start that 500 hours over again right so it's hourly and then uh if you if you stayed you got double time and if you if you stay longer than that you yeah triple time i was doing that i was like oh this is cool i'm gonna they call me a machine um <laughs> i would i worked 36 hours one time straight uh what? I, I probably was not very uh good by the tail end of it at all <laughs> yeah me and the work that I was doing is probably garbage, but I had this, this two-week period. I've just been working. I was working crazy hours, and I was like, I did the math in my head of like what my paycheck was going to look like, and I was like, oh, man, I had so many plans of what I was going to buy, and my paycheck comes, and the tax man had taken like, I think I made less than what I would have made if I just worked my regular 40 hours a week, and yeah, you know, mom's still harping on me about video games, ah, nah, 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 nah. so yeah. I, I did I did eventually leave and went to KPMG and I, you know, I sold that one to the corporate. But but when I was doing that, how I got in the music industry was, you know, it was a desk job. I was at my desk a lot. So what were you doing for KPMG? So basically I worked in their file room, right? They have a file room for all of their taxes that someone files or, or S1s or anything like that. And there was a database. Basically, I was doing data entry. Like, okay, this is so super glamorous. Super. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So it was cool. What was cool about it is I could re I could read all these people's tax returns and be like, oh my god, this guy's got like, pay he made like ten million last year. Oh my god. I'm like, this is crazy. It was it was interesting to read all that stuff. But since I sat at the desk all the time, social networks were were becoming big between that time. So I was like big into social networks. So I had made my own website and I started a music blog essentially where I was just offering V3s for free to download and uh, just putting out music that I liked. I didn't think it was going to read it at all, but it got pretty popular. And I started putting display ads on there and doing all this stuff. You know, I knew, I realized like if I could push more traffic to it, I'd make more money. So MySpace was around. I had made a bunch of all of these bot accounts with, you know, attractive looking people. And I would, you know, run a script to add a bunch of people. And so I had a network of probably about 212 of these accounts that had like probably like 500K reach. I would make a post on my blog and then I was logging to each of them and I post the bulletin. Hey, go check out this. Check out the song. I love the song. Oh my God. Da, 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 da. Basically what I was doing is what's happening on Instagram right now. And people are like, Oh, buy followers and things like that. I was doing oh, yeah. that, but like, right. I was essentially doing that. One of these, uh, these friend trains is what, what they would call it. And so got a lot of traction on the website and, uh, it got so much traction that 
I started getting cease and desist letters from from uh from the recording studio from the record labels they were like strike this down right now oh my god and I'm like you're gonna we're gonna sue you and I'm like oh shit I made enough noise right so I've, someone sees me now right oh my god I made so much more noise they stopped sending cease and desist and they started sending me advanced copies of their stuff they were like oh put this on your site please because I was moving so much traffic right and that's kind of how I de facto got into the music industry and because of that, I started throwing parties uh, because I had like, you know, enough reach and enough attention that I could throw parties in, in San Francisco and LA and uh, in San Jose. So MT is basically, it was, it was missingtooth.com. I called mm -hmm. it, I called it MT on LinkedIn because I was trying to like mm -hmm. myself up a little bit when I started yeah. doing, uh, <laughs> when I started doing machines on it. Wanted to uh, scrub my past a little bit, right? <laughs> no, man, this is awesome. <laughs> One of the interesting things about it, and this is a common theme I'm hearing in other podcasts is how when you start a company and you look back, it's pretty interesting that because of your experience and your skills are somewhat uniquely more qualified than other people to start it. What you're talking about is classic entrepreneurial, viral growth strategy, gaming mechanics, right? I mean, yeah. all these things obviously are feed into growing a, a game with massive amount of DAU. Yeah, so it, it was interesting because I always say it's like what I do now, it was it was, in a, it was a culmination of all my skills, not skills that I purposely sought out to do to thinking that would really lead me somewhere it was just things that I naturally just gravitated I, I fell into them I would say right you know I like to do art I liked music I started you know I, I liked html and css and so I could use those things to make a website to make a music website about music those are skills I just picked up along the way on my path because they were interesting to me and that led me to being able to have the skills to start Machine Zone, right? was not a, a plan at all. It was just, I'm just, I'm just going along. I'm just swimming, right? I think that's an awesome way to live life and figure out what you want to do. I have yeah. a mm -hmm. similar story, Katie's story. I guarantee you similar because she does mm -hmm. all these really cool things like train dogs and music and podcasts. And yeah, I went from professional hockey to loving poker and then poker landed me at Zynga Poker and yeah. Zynga Poker landed me. I mean, it's it's kind of like following these, these interests. So it's 2007 mm -hmm. now. We're we're at KPMG and you're filing tax returns. Talk to me about how we transitioned that to mm -hmm. starting Machine Zone. So I'm, I'm, I'm running the, the file room. I'm doing my little music thing on the side. I'm talking to Gmail came around that time. And got mm. it was like Gmail invites were like, oh my God, I got an invite. Oh my God, I got one. And so we're on Gchat. <laughs> me, yeah, me and my... Me and my friend who worked at Atari with me, we were talking and we we're like, we were really into first Friendster, then, you know, then MySpace, High Five was around, there was Orchid, there was all these things that were happening and we were just reviewing them and using them and like, oh, this one's cooler, this one, this one's good because of this. Around that time, Facebook had launched their, their app platform. We were like, oh my God, like these are, there's these games, like these games are taking over. Like this is when you first started getting invites. Oh my God, where are these invites to everything? Oh my God, what the hell is this? And uh, we started looking at one of the games, it was, it was Mobsters and uh, mm -hmm. it was really simple, but it was really fun. Like we had fun playing like, oh my god like i'm gonna you know run this job it was it was it was very rudimentary there was no graphics it was just uh here's a list of jobs here's the requirements for the job uh, you go buy these items and then if you want to fight people uh you could steal some of their cash to you know level up more and then you needed to invite people to be in your gang because you, that was a multiplier on your attack and defense right and we we're like dude and i was doing web, web design stuff he was working uh at a video game company doing game design stuff and i was like dude we could totally make one of these and the rumor was that these games were making a million dollars a day back in 2007 and there was no center tower there was no app annie there was no way to verify that it was all anecdotal data but i wanted to spend money on it so i was like if i want to spend money i'm sure other people want to spend money on this and if i did have money i would spent money on it but i didn't because i worked in the file room <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> 
so <laughs> so we're like man we could make one of these he's like dude you do web stuff i do this i was like dude we need like someone to do the back end and he's like yeah yeah i know i know a guy i know a guy we kind of toyed around with the idea for months he was like dude you sh- we should just do this and we'd always talked about it because like man my boss yelled at me today dude we should quit and we should make one of these games <laughs> and uh we did that we did that back and forth for for quite a while and until it was probably like around 2008 and it was like i don't know what happened he we had made a kind of a loose agreement like if you quit your job i'll quit my job and we'll do this and one day he calls me up and he's like dude i quit my job and i was like oh <laughs> You were, you were serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it just got real. Oh, no. He's like, he's <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we did it. We, we quit our jobs. We were fed up. I was 28 at the time. I think we were, we were all 28. And it was like, I'm not going anywhere. I was at the ceiling of where I was going to be doing what I was doing at KPMG. I wasn't super fulfilled by it, which is why I was doing all the other stuff, like the website and things like that. It felt good. I was like, oh, yeah. Exciting. You know, the, you know, your hair stand up on your, you know, on the back of your neck. You know, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm on the ride. I did it. Like, I'm, oh, my God, I'm living. I'm actually living in. I'm living right now because before you're not, you're kind of complacent. You're kind of sitting around. And, uh, it was scary, but it was fun and exciting. I often tell people that my motivation to start a company was more of my dislike and hate of the things I was doing than my motivation to be rich or something. You know, like I used to email myself shit I hated about work, and then I would read it when I got home, and then oh, go work for two hours. Like I'd be like, I fucking hate my boss, dude. That yeah. guy's such an asshole. And then I get home and I read it and be like, Yeah, get to work. I'd yeah. slam two yeah. two espressos with ice cream <laughs> in it and just start working. So how did you land at Y Combinator? Um, okay, so we had we had quit recently quit our our jobs. We were working out of my apartment, just the three of us in a little studio apartment in Sunnyvale. Also, I want to say we weren't when we when we did this, we weren't thinking of like oh, we're gonna get rich. It was just more like we're gonna do something that we think is fun, that we think is cool, and hopefully we can pay our bills and pay ourselves. We can make a living wage doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was the. It wasn't like oh we're gonna get, we're gonna get loaded. We're gonna be rich. I mean, it was nice to hear the rumors that these games are making million dollars a day. Even if they weren't, if they were making enough to pay us our bills and we didn't have to have a boss that we didn't like yelling at us um, and we get to work on what we like to work on, that was already invaluable. Us. Right, right. There's so, so many commonalities, dude. I always say, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to cut you off anymore. I'm going to shut up because your story is way cooler than mine. But I always said if I made one more dollar than I'm making today, it's a success. It was like yeah. $1 more. It was like my salary plus a dollar. We had quit and we were working on, we were working on the app. We were working on, uh, on something. We didn't even have a fully formed idea because when we quit, the initial idea was to do one of these these mobster clones on Facebook. By the time we actually really mustered up the courage to do it, the market was flooded with these. There was like a million of them. We we're like, oh, dude, it was saturated. We it was like, dude, we can't come to market with one of these. There are just like a million of them now. It was not just it was not just the that it was friends for sale. Remember that one? Someone goes, oh, you got bought. Someone bought you five bucks, and then someone could buy them, and the price would go up every time you, someone got bought. And so the friend who was really popular one would be worth like, you know, thousand, thousand dollars, right? That kind of stuff was going on. And that was viral as well. And MySpace had announced their platform too. And they also had the same kind of clones. Everyone, it was just, it was a wild west. These things were exploding everywhere. So we knew that people liked them. I couldn't verify how much money they were making, but I knew that they were everywhere. And so that kind of told me that, oh man, these really were working. What can we make? What can we make? And so we had this idea and it's kind of sort of around the, uh, MySpace had that kind of whole like add me or like be unpopular, come look at me kind of stuff. Whereas Facebook was more subdued and kind of looked like a spreadsheet. And was just like, only people that I know are going to be in here. And so we were kind of more, you know, it looked like GeoCities, right? And then like, you know, Angel Fire website, it's looked all this blue, like shiny stuff. And you go to someone's, someone's song that's playing as soon as you go to the site and you're like, can't turn it down. Where is this playing? Oh my God. We were like, dude, these, these kids want to be seen. They want to be noticed and so we came up with the idea of of add, a, add him add her because people they wanted to be added like add me shout shout out for shout out they were doing that, that kind of stuff so we're like let's make an app that'll do help them do this they just want to get seen they want to build their network and things like that 
So that was the idea that we had, that we pivoted from the original idea, which was making mobsters clones. My founder, he had heard about Y Combinator and he's like, I'm just going to apply to this. I'm just going to apply. I'm just going to apply because we didn't have any, we didn't have any money. All the money that we had was our own personal savings. I had cash on my 401k. They had, you know, their own personal savings. And we were, we gave ourselves a year to make something happen. And if we didn't, we were going to go beg for our jobs back. And so, yeah, we, we just started like, Hey, and so he applied to Y Combinator. We just waited to see if it would see what happened. And lo and behold, they hit us back and they were like, Hey, yeah, come to Boston. And then we we're like, what the heck? Like, cause I mean, you know, you're you, right. You're you, you're, you've been you your whole life. And you're like, there's nothing cool or special about me. And for them to like pick our idea, which was kind of half-baked, honest, to be honest. It wasn't like fully fledged or anything. It was just, there's this idea. And it was kind of not in, the, it didn't seem like it'd be in their wheelhouse, MySpace and like just adding and vanity. And it didn't seem like something that they would gravitate towards, but they were like, hey, yeah, come to Boston. That's how we applied to Bicominator. We flew to Boston and it was in the middle of December. We were three California boys. We got off the plane and uh, I didn't own anything, you know, thicker than this, this sweater that I'm wearing right now. And we got off the plane and I'm like, it's raining, it's freezing. I'm like, oh, I've never been to the East Coast before. I'm like, holy shit, we're like dying. We're shivering. People are like laughing at us or waiting for a taxi to come get us. So we we went to the hotel and uh, the next day we had to go to to Harvard where you had to go wait in line to go in and interview. And you had like 10 minutes to pitch, I think it was. And uh, we're sitting out there and it's freezing. We still have no jackets. And there's all these people in front of us in line. And we're hearing them talking about their ideas and like, hey, where'd you guys go to school? Like, oh, we went to MIT. We went to Harvard. We went to Yale. And I'm like, I didn't go to college. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, like this is tough competition, mm-hmm. right? I was like, oh, my God, like this is we're we're in over our heads. We're out of our league, guys. I don't know. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work. We finally go in and they're all sitting across like uh, it was Paul Graham, Jessica, uh, Robert and Trevor. They're all sitting across in a, at a table and we kind of sit in and you, we're trying to be nervous and trying to like do our pitch. And, you know, they're like, okay, no, no, no stoic, no face, no expressions or anything. It's kind of like, okay, cool. Thank you. And we're like, shit, we didn't, oh, we didn't do it. We didn't get it, man. We didn't get it. Um, They said, yeah, we'll call you by six o'clock tonight. So we're sitting around later that night in the Panera Bread waiting for the call. And then my, my founder gets the call and he's like, "Mm, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All somber and he hangs up the phone and we're like, fuck, we didn't get it. He said, we got in, we got in, we fucking did it. We're like, holy (laughs) shit. Oh my God. We were like, Oh my God. Oh shit. Okay. 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 That's Panera awesome. Panera bread. Yeah. Did Panera. you guys just free Panera bread for everybody? <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Because uh, back then, I, mean, I think it's changed now, but back then Y Combinator gave 5k per founder and there was only three of us. 15k they actually gave us they gave us 20k instead of the instead of the normal uh 15k that was great to us because that, is that total any, that's total what they gave us yeah what and what did they take they took six percent i think <laughs> i think it changed now i think it's changed now i think they i think they give a lot more now yeah but, uh this was mm-hmm. you know it's 2008 wow. so y combinator changed a lot over time it was great it was i think it was worth it like going through the whole process of y combinator and like getting to meet all these people and having yeah. all the advice and all the, those resources at, at, at hand. But yeah, the 20K, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't go very far. <laughs> yeah. you, you fly back to San Francisco and 20% of it's gone already, right? It's yeah, like yeah, just, yeah. just walking into the gate. Okay, so you, you get back and then you're doing these these social widgets, which is yeah. not yeah, a yeah, game. So we, yeah. so we did the social widget, right? So we did the social widget. And the, so the idea was that people would embed it on their profile and then which it, it would pair you with other people who had submitted their photo um and it'd be like who do you who would you rather drink with who do you think's cooler and so you would get stats to show like oh this photo performed well against this person this, this is your best like photo or people interact with this one the most kind of thing so giving statistics basically we kind of made i i say we made instagram before instagram if, if i showed you what the app that we made we end up we end up scrapping before we had add him at her.com as a destination site and when we were doing it we were like 
man, there's, there's already, there's already this plethora of all these social networks, another destination site. Nobody wants this. Even my friends, I'm like, Hey, sign up for this thing that we built. And they're like, ah, another one of these, like another, Oh my God, another one. Uh, and they did. And they submitted a photo. And the thing was about them submitting a photo. Now we had to do moderation. So we're allowing people to submit anything they want from their computer. We started having to do moderation. So we didn't allow them to go live at, at right, right away. We would like collect, let them collect. And then we'd go in and we'd go in and moderate them. Go, yes, no, yes, no. Wait, what is that? Is it back then we were like on razors, right? So people had like <laughs> really bad photos, right? The, the, the cameras were not very good. So you're like, what is that? Is that what that thing is? Oh, it is. Oh, I just stared at it. I zoomed in on it with my face, right? Like... <laughs> deny right so through that process we realized this is terrible we don't want to moderate these things like this sounds this is bad news so that's when we got the idea to like you know what let's let's kill the destination site let's just make this into an app for myspace and nice space we use myspace's photos myspace owns the photos on their server they handle the moderation if something bad is on it's on there it's on their servers not ours cool let's do that and so that's that's how we did the pivot from the destination site to this other app which we called addable and basically you submit yourself to a timeline a photo to a timeline and the timeline had the latest 50 images. As they got pushed out, as someone submitted more, the other ones get pushed out. People could comment on it. They could like it. They could throw a bomb at it. They could throw a cheeseburger at it. They could do all these things to your photo. And you had a feed of like someone commented on it. Someone thought you were addable. And there was like kind of incentivized points to like add people. So you, if you got, you got social points, if you added somebody else or something like that. If I showed you a picture of it, you'd be like, that's totally Instagram. But addable got really, it got really big. It got a lot of users, got like a million users. But the only way we were able to monetize it was display ads. And uh, around that time, that's when AdSense like took a, a huge hit in 2008 where like they were they were paying out a lot and then for some reason it just tanked the amount of money you get per per cpm just tanked for some reason it doesn't eight and i don't remember why exactly but we were like dude we're kind of nearing the end of our year that we gave ourselves to make something happen and we weren't making enough this was not making enough to support all three of us and so we were kind of like damn dude we need to what are we gonna do so we're trying to think of anything we had some other side deals uh just try to make money we we're doing legion stuff we did anything to try to make money there was another social network called perf spot that we had gotten contact with and they they were paying us to do clones of the apps that were popular on Facebook. So they had to do a friends for sale clone, they had to do some other clones, right? And we were just doing anything to make money, but it wasn't the goal. We wanted to make a business, right? We wanted to like make something. And at that time, the iPhone announced that they're gonna do a platform. They're gonna do their own platform. And we were like, yes, this is it. We can be first mover here. We can be first mover here. We're gonna do the same thing we originally were gonna do. We're gonna make a, we're gonna make a mobsters clone. We're gonna make it for the iPhone. We're gonna be the first mover there. That's what we're going to do. We had four months to do it because we were at the end of our, our year that we gave ourselves. So we, you know, buckled down, didn't sleep a lot and just tried to, you know, bust this out, bust out this app. And we did it. We made it. And in the four months and we had it done before Apple turned on the Apple platform. You released okay. a couple apps, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. So the the day that Apple turned on their app platform, we turned on our app. So we made iMob and we had made it. We, you know, it was our first online game. It was, it was cool. It worked. <laughs> but we didn't know, like, a lot. there's a lot of things that we didn't know that we learned uh, trial by fire. It went out, it started getting users. We started, you know, seeing people come in and people playing and people talking like, what is this? Oh, what is this? What are they? Cause we had, you know, comments and bulletins in there. People were playing, people were fighting. We're like, wow, wow, this is cool. This is this, this. And it started being a lot of people coming in and uh, people were spending money. And then the server creps out. Cause the, the server was in my, in my apartment. The server was like a little Linux box that could have 15 current users at once. And we were like, oh no. So when the, when, the, when the game started coming up, we didn't know what to do. We would just reset the server and then it would come back on <laughs> and then it would be going to be fast again until more people came in and then it started slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. And so it was not usable again. So there was a lot of headache and things for, for our, our CTO because he had to do all the stuff that we couldn't help him with. He had to like go fix all these slow queries and 
do all the stuff that we had no idea about. But the game was making money. The first day it made three thousand dollars. Whoa. The second day it made six thousand dollars, and the third day it made nine thousand dollars. And we were like, "Dude, is this for real?" Like we're sitting in my apartment, oh. like, "Is this for real?" Is this like really, really happening? Even though the server's like crashing, it's not, it's unusable. If you do, if you do any kind of action, it would take like two minutes for the, it would spin for two minutes and then it would do the action. People are still spending money. Even if it, even though it took two minutes, if you try to spend money to buy something, that little thing would spin for like two minutes and then go purchase successful like two minutes later. And people wow. are still playing this with this terrible experience, this terrible, broken experience. People are still playing it and still wanting to do it. So we knew that people wanted these, right? I mean, we knew that from, seeing how all of the, the clones were working on, on Facebook and MySpace and all that stuff. So we knew that people wanted it. And the good thing for us about mobile, everybody was still making so much money on Facebook and MySpace, right? They weren't even paying attention to it. The game made lots of money. We eventually fixed all those slow queries. And uh, we're sitting around like, what do we do, guys? Let's make another one. Let's make another one. Let's go. Let's go. Let's make another one, right? So our engineer was still trying to fix all of the technical issues. We just made a branch of, of iMob. And then we just called it, you know, I think we, I think we, I think the second one we made was Girl Wars. And so basically all they did, it wasn't like we made an engine. It was like, this is a copy of iMob. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go string replace instead of a gun. It's now a purse. And you know what I mean? Attacking defense is the same. So we went through and changed all that. I wrote over all the images, changed all the colors, just all the stuff doing string replace and launched that one. And that one worked. Oh, wait, before I'm going to back up actually on the third day, this is a, this is a Zynga story on the, <laughs> yes. on the third, on the third day that um the app was out imob was out before we made anything else uh, my founder gets a call on his phone and he's like he's talking he's like what what are you, what are you talking about Wait, tomorrow what do you mean and he hangs up the phone and he goes mark pincus wants us to come to zynga tomorrow like at 9 a.m and we're like <laughs> he's we're like what how, mark pincus like how did how did mark pincus get your phone he's like i don't know we had no idea mark pincus <laughs> got his phone number somehow and called him and said be at my office tomorrow at 9 a.m we go to, and it's not, it's not even, he doesn't even let us go into the office. It's, uh, it's at Whole Foods across the street. And he's like, how many people you guys got? We're like three. And he's like, I got 90 people over there across the street. I'm 90 people. He's like, you're going to, we're going to buy you right now. And you're going to come, you're going to, we're winners. We're winners at, we're winners at Zynga. You're going to, you're going to come, you're going to work for us. We're going to win. We're going to win. And uh, he's like, if you don't, I'm going to destroy your little shitty company. Like, you're like, whoa, whoa dude. Like. He's like, if you leave here without signing this, here, you had a contract here. If you leave here without signing this, I'm going to destroy your little shitty company. You guys are done. That's it. And uh, we're like, can we ever look? No, if you, if you leave here without signing this. And we were like, oh, the numbers that, the numbers that it was, I think it was, um, it was 6 million half cash, half stock. We were like, um, no, we want 12. Just number out of, out, of, out, of, out of the air, just pull it 12. He's like, no, you leave here without signing this and we destroy your little shitty company. And we're like, oh my God. Well, we're going to leave now. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> And then after that, that's when we made the other clones, right? We made we made four other skins, eye knights, eye vampires, and something else. This was this was like six months later, and like the games are all working, and uh, they're all making money. And, and we get a call. This guy, it's from Zynga, but this time it's a, a biz dev guy. I can't remember his name. And he's like, "Hey, I don't even, I don't know if he even knew that the other conversation happened with Mark." But he was like, hey, we love what you guys are doing. Why don't you guys come down? We're going to show you the office. We're going to give you a tour. Like, man, you guys got to come. And he was like, really nice and like hospitable. And we're like, okay, all right, well, okay, let's go. So we go and we, we're in there and we're, we're going to meet all these guys. And they gave us lunch and all that stuff. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, you guys, we were like, you're just doing, you guys to come work for us. He's like, we have a deal for you guys. And the deal was 12, which is what we asked for before. And that was when we had one game, we asked for 12. Uh, and then this time we had, we had four and he, we, he, he's like, we're going to give you 12. We're like 20. He's like, Oh no, I can't go any higher. Than, no, mm -mm, I can't go any higher than this. 
And we're like, all right, we'll, we'll see you guys in another six months. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we kept making more, right? And they kept, they all kept working. Actually, I wanted to do this one first. The, the, when we were making, when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do in, in the beginning before we made all of our stuff, we were going to, like, they had Google Jams. And at one of the Google Jams, Zynga showed up. And this is the first time I've ever seen them. Uh, and it was like six guys. It was Mark was one of them. I don't remember who the other guys were. And they had Zynga Poker working on Facebook and on MySpace. And we were like, we're cross-platform, like, boom. And like, we're going to be an Orchid. Google was pushing Orchid. They're, they're terrible social network that failed. <laughs> it was really big in, I think, in South America. And I think that was a problem. The problem was it was really big in South America. And so when I went on it and anybody else in the America went on it, you just saw Portuguese and you're like, I don't, I'm not going to be on here, right? Um, and so that was, translation was already like in our mind that like, no, you can't have people who are speaking different languages on the same same application because it just ruins it because you're like oh there's a bunch of not that you're you know it's not like you don't like it's just i don't understand these people like, i want to talk to americans i want to talk to people who speak the same language as me right yeah we were at google and they're doing their or they got zinga poker to work on orchid myspace and facebook cross-platform so all these users could play together and they were like boom you know and like very zinga-esque or you know what i mean like that that braggadocio like that kind of like i don't want to say frat boy but like they were you know they had that kind of attitude yeah. right <laughs> i mean zinga poker is cool zinga, zinga poker was zinga cool. poker well well zinga poker from the inside we were always tasked for whatever reason with going being the first on every new platform mm-hmm. and i think we did it to build relationships with all these platform providers we we didn't really want to do it because sure. i remember we did h2 <laughs> i was in charge of the html5 yeah. zinga poker app yeah, yeah, yeah. so that we could do it and be like hey facebook we build an app on your new thing yeah, yeah, yeah. you want us to now right, right. give us more users you know yeah. but zinga poker for whatever reason we would go on every platform it was like the team that had to lead the charge for cross-platform yeah. it's not a bad bet to be first movers no you don't know which 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 platform's going to take off right so it's not a bad bet to like let's be first mover here because first mover for us i know first mover in i and being on apple uh, was totally, you know, revolutionary for us. It was like, that was the whole thing. Like the market was right for what the product that we had. It was a lot, it was like a lot of luck, a lot of timing. I think being first mover somewhere can be a huge benefit. It could also do nothing for you. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> it's just a bet, right? According to our, our research, you went on to spend the entire amount on developing Game of War. Is this, is this true? Or is this, was it a big bet to start Game of War? Oh, uh, okay. So we had done uh, a ton of these, we call them X-Wars games, right? Mob Wars, Girl Wars, Night Wars, whatever. Uh, we had done, I think, 17 of them. And I personally thought that we should be diversifying sooner than, than where we were, but others did not think that was you know, prudent at the time until revenue started falling because Apple platform is, is maturing and you know, developed games are the king kind of things that people are offering are maturing. And we were still offering the same kind of game that we started with. And so, yeah, there was a, a quick pivot to do Game of War. I don't know. I want to say if, I, if I'm thinking about it, I don't think it was, we, we did Game of War in 18 months. Our team was not super huge. And we used a lot of the same underlying uh, technology from the previous games, right? Our games before informed what Game of War was. And people don't realize that. We had you know, people fighting each other. You know, you get a, you know, you mass a group of people, you get mass resources, you fight, you steal from other people. The thing was, is we didn't have a map on those games, right? And so Game of War was like the evolution. It was like, okay, now we're going to have all the same kind of stuff happening, the same kind of gameplay. Now, but now there's a map. So now I can see you on a map and I can, I can go attack you. Whereas before I have to see you on a fight list and see you in someone's comments and I can attack you and beat you up, right? There was a lot of inline technology that was still shared between the old games and Game of War. It was just the visual part that was different. We didn't spend all of that money <laughs> on making Game of War. I think that might have been the story, but I don't think that's necessarily true. But yeah, Game of War, that was the one that I think everybody remembers, remembers us for, which 
to me is I kind of it's kind of sad because I think the other games were so uh, influential on where the space went, and that did since they're gone, no one really remembers that that those were the the precursors to all these other things happening. I had a friend who said, um, you might know him. His name is Paul Layden. I was just looking up his LinkedIn, (laughs) literally, literally have in front of me. Yes. I know Paul. Well, yeah. Yeah. So Paul and I spent a lot of time together, uh, at at machine zone because, uh, him and I would be the ones who were there late at night. I mean, one time there was a time where we didn't go home for like two weeks. Like we didn't leave the office. We left the office to like go get food and stuff like that, but we didn't go home, physically go home. We would just go down the street. We were in Palo Alto. We'd go down the street to American Apparel, buy some new underwear, buy some new t-shirts, right? Go back to the office, take a shower. But yeah, Paul had said, you know, X-Force is alive and well, which is the previous video games. It's just, it's just camouflage. It's just changed. It's changed the veneer so much that it's, it doesn't look like it's X-Force, but it really is. Underlying, it's the same kind of games, the same, it's, it's Mob Wars still. Uh, it was sad when he, when he when he was leaving Machine Zone. That was like my work my work bestie. You know what I mean? Uh, he's also my bestie outside of outside of work too. But uh, I, I'm happy for for him and what he's done and what he's able, been able to achieve. You know, it's funny you said that because I look back on my time at Zynga, and part of me is just so sad that all those people I became so close with and love being around, love working with, they're all my friends, and we built something so great together. To see it end, it was so sad and. It was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast because I have a really good excuse to go email and be like, dude, you got to come on the podcast. Like I have all my old bosses coming on, my old coworkers, old designers, and we just sit and be, talk about kind of the glory days, dude, yeah. you know, I mean, and just go back and forth. Like, you remember when we built the leaderboard? Remember when we built that, you know, mini game? Yeah. Remember when? I mean, that's kind of why I honestly don't want to do anything for the rest of my life, but liquid and grit. And I kind of have a mentality of a tenure. Like once you get to like this cliff of you've been established at liquid and grit, the only way that you will leave liquid and grit is if you kind of decide, you know, that you want to leave. But otherwise my goal is to just, it's actually part of our mission actually is to make it so that we have complete control over our destiny. If we want to work here for the rest of our lives. then we can. And that's kind of my goal is like, if, if you want to work here for the rest of your life, that's what I'm trying to achieve. And so I don't have to have these like, Oh man, Paul, Paul, dude, like Paul somewhere else. And he's not here anymore. You know, (laughs) I mean, back to the story. One of the things I'll say from the outside is I just remember like hearing stories of the ad dollars getting spent at machine Mm -hmm. zone Mm -hmm. and people being like, yo dude, we, they literally went up to Yahoo and literally cornered their ad market. We're like, yes, we want every single ad dollar that you can spend right now. We're like literally cornering the market. It was what like colleges do with like the lobster market. They just like, we bought every, every lobster for this cook off or whatever. <laughs> I mean, we're, I have the video of the, the Super Bowl commercial oh, yeah. in our research, dude, yeah. with like, who was Kate it? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Kate Upton. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. yeah. I, I remember this commercial <laughs> so well, actually, I, when it aired. I'm kind of yeah. looking at Kate Upton's cleavage right now, yeah. actually, because yeah. <laughs> it's like her YouTube video screen. Yeah. It's like her jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to wait it on. Yeah. 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 Wait on. Yeah, exactly. Dude. I mean, do you want to touch on that at all? Or so let's talk about marketing. So in the beginning, when we started, there was like, I think Apple platform was just something that Apple did as initiative. It wasn't something they thought was going to be a huge revenue stream or huge, huge as it became in the beginning, we told Apple, we want, we, we need, um, because we're going to do a free to play. We're going to do gain that's free. And then you, you buy currency. So we told them we need in-app current in-app purchases. And they were like, nope, no way. Never. Nope, nope, nope. Not going to happen ever, ever, ever in a million years. 
And uh, we were like, dude, this is terrible because so what happened, what we had to do, if you remember iTunes, if you buy something once, you have it forever, you can't repurchase it. And so for selling virtual currency, if my, you know, my 199 gives unlocks 10 current, 10, 10 currency, you can't buy that again when you own it already. So we had these price points and the price points that we made it for ourselves was $5, uh, $499, $999, uh, $999, and hundred bucks. Once all those were bought by a user and they were buying them, they were like, hey, I can't buy anymore because I own them already. We know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, but I need more. I'm going to get beat up if I don't have enough currency. And we're like, yeah, we know, but you know, we're kind of, our hands are kind of tied. So I had this idea when you make an app, you had one, you had one app and we had 54 instances of all these paid apps. So we had one free and all these other paid ones. We had figured out that uh, Apple's algorithm to put you, to place you at the top uh, was based on velocity. So if I was downloaded zero times this last hour and I was downloaded 10,000 times, they go, oh my God, the velocity on that one, like put that one at the top. So what we started doing is we would take one of the paid apps and turn it free and then put a little banner inside all the apps, say, hey, go download this right now. And we would do it through all of our apps. So it would be an iMob, Grow Rose, OG, Global War. And so all these users would be like, you'll, you'll get free cred if you go download this right now. And that app puts you to the top. So we started doing that. And people, they were called point apps, right? People caught on to what we were doing and everyone started doing it. So I don't know if you guys remember, there was a time where there was like just a flood of the same icon, but like a different point. Like this one's 20 points, this one's 500 points, this one's six points, right? And it was not just us, everybody started doing it. And Apple was like, what are you guys doing to our store? What are you guys doing? And we're like, dude, we told you we need in-app purchases. Like we need to give people more cred and they can't, they're capped because you guys have us on this thing where they only buy it once. And they were like, no, they're like, it's not against the rules. It wasn't against the rules. It wasn't against the guidelines. And like, we're like, it's not against the rules. We're like, but it's going to be, it's going to be like, you guys, you guys can't do this. You're just ruining the app store. And I think when they saw this happening was around the time they started going like, oh my God, this is actually could be a huge revenue stream. This could actually be a huge business for us. Before I think they just did it as like, okay, Facebook did one, MySpace did one. We'll, you know, Android's doing one. We're going to do one. And I thought they were just like, yeah. But yeah. when they saw this, because I mean, they had, they were taking 30% of what we were making and we were making, you know, pretty good money. So I think that around that time, collectively, they started saying like, oh my God, this is actually a real business. So <laughs> we're ruining that. New people would get the phone and they'd go to the app store and they would just see, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. And there was a point at time where we would, we would pin all of our apps at the top. We had like one, two, three, four, five. I had a screenshot of it somewhere. Um, where we just had all the space, all the spaces, not because, I mean, people were buying it, people were playing it, but since we were doing that with our own users to have them incentivize yeah. them to, to download it. So we, we'd get pushed to the top, we get more organic lift and we get more users. So the next time we did it, it would even it stay there even longer. So that was our marketing scheme, right? Uh, in the beginning, um, there was no, I ads, there was no, none of this other stuff, like none of this stuff, there See, was no way all these ad networks didn't exist, right? Mo people were kind of like, yeah letting mobile do its thing. Cause like no one was going to be first mover there. Then that's when people started going, Oh my God, this is like a real thing. Let's get into it. Um, and then you saw these other ad networks pop up. We never just did displayed ads in our app, but we'd, we would buy everybody else's inventory because we were trying to see if people would back out. We didn't do that before with our X-Wars games. Cause I don't think the, the network was there, but with game of war, we did before we made game of war, Ebony commercial, like Ebony commercials were everywhere. Come play my Lord. Come like, these were everywhere. These were like, if you stayed up past midnight and you're watching Adult Swim, you're going to see, come play, my Lord, Ebony, da, 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 right? With the big boob, you know, big bosom, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a analogous to uh, Kate Upton, right? Um, mm -hmm. but, so that, that's how we started making Game of War. It was like, uh, you know, my founder was like, dude, everybody go play this game. And we played Ebony for like two weeks and we're like, yeah, we could, we could, we could make this into something, right? After the game came out and people were spending a lot of money, not everybody's spending money, but people, the people who were spending money were spending a lot of money. And once they had spent, 
enough, we knew they were going to keep spending because they've already invested and they're not going to back out, right? I don't know. It made sense if you could get ads for for cheap or if you can corner the market, if you know a certain percentage of the users are going to back out and they're going to pay for everybody else, you know, why not? It was basically whale hunting. One thing I love about this story, I love about this podcast is from the outside, everyone writes about these things, these decisions like Apple made so strategically. Mm -hmm. It was from the top, the visionary of how the mobile store was going to be a vertical integration. And I love the insider. It's like, no, this little comp not little but relatively little compared to we're, apple we're, was we're, like we're literally like, yeah okay it's a little company of six people was like yo apple make give us in-app purchases like give us this thing and they're like no 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 and this thing ended up being a freaking mm-hmm. i don't know how much money is made for apple but over you know obviously yeah, over yeah. billions of billions I, of dollars think, and it's yeah. so funny this is like why i will never probably write like a strategy blog post because it's just like it just from the outside we, we paint this picture of being so strategic yeah. and having been on the inside same thing with Zynga and facebook dude i mean we were literally emailing zuckerberg being like yo dude you need to turn off bookmark notifications because mm-hmm. they're killing your platform you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. thought out and more of this iterative test something see if it works change test ask for forgiveness get mm-hmm. after yeah. it process that is really the way that things are somewhat created right so it's yeah. cool hearing the story man yeah yeah they t- i think it might have been just like a serendipity that the timing of the app store like really getting traction and us destroying it with like, <laughs> all these point apps i think that was the that was the reason that was one of the reasons that they were like oh, okay we gotta we gotta because it wasn't just us doing it we started it, but everybody started doing it as well. And I think they realized like, okay, we don't want them to do that. It's not against the guidelines. We need to provide them a tool to be able to not do this. I think actually personally, I think if if I want to do that right now, I think if someone were to do that and want to do that, take a free, like a paid app and turn it free and then have all your users go download it, I bet you it would still work. Oh, sick, dude. No, man, I like that <laughs> little value drop for those of you out there who's trying to start a new company. I can remember on Facebook, creating these price point spreadsheets for Facebook. It was like every 10 cents you had to make. Like you had to have a price point. Katie, you don't understand. Again, you think it's like these platforms would have made it so simple for them to make money, for literally us to go out and work our tails off to make them money. Like we're just making a dollar and every dollar we make, we just hand over 30 cents. And in Mike's case, it was 50 cents. Literally, they're just sitting there. It was super hard to get this money from players. I mean, mm-hmm. spreadsheets and IEPs mm-hmm. and all, oh my gosh, when the dev would be like, yo, dude, you got to send me the price points and then you got to convert it and all the geos and oh, the currencies. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like ridiculous, Katie. Payments. We had that payment story last time of fraudulent payments too. I mean, oh, goodness. payments is a whole thing that's a pain and you think you think that platforms would have made that easier from the beginning but it, it wasn't yeah that was i mean from the outside i can just remember those stories of being like dude they're cornering they're literally going into yahoo and being like give us everything you have i love uh what you guys do with with the data stuff like i personally have a love hate relationship with data because i'm a, I'm a creative person and a yeah. lot of the times when i'm trying to do something that is creative and not hasn't been done before I get met with, Oh, we got to get data to prove it. And the thing about data, the thing about having using data to prove something before you make it, I can't do a test to see like on something that doesn't exist. Right. I can't, Oh, is this, is this going to be better than this? But it doesn't exist. I can't, I can't test something that doesn't exist yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of of by definition, when I run my data, when I do my test, that data is stale already, even if it's, you know, it's a second, a second stale, it's, it's still stale. So if I'm using data to inform what I'm going to make in the future, I'm designing for the past. Right. And uh, I don't want to do that. So 
I, I do think that data is very important to help you optimize and help you, you know, make decisions in certain places. But if you're using it completely to make all of your business decisions or all your creative decisions on what you're going to make or what your product's going to be, by definition, you're making something derivative of what already exists. And that's not what I want to do for, you know, personally for the rest of my life. I do like looking at other people's products. I do like looking at data, but I don't want that to be the end all be all of, you know, have the whole say of what I'm going to do or what I'm going to create. You know what I mean? No, I think that's totally. completely spot on. And we talked about this actually on the Andrew Ice podcast is that it's that you have to think about it in terms of like a financial portfolio. Mm. You have, let's say 60% of that with safer bets, right? Sure, it's like we sure. put our money in 401ks. You have a 401k, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a safe bet. Your other bet is you're like, I'm going to put my savings or money into this business. The business could be a thousand, what sounds like it was a insane multiple, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. But the, but it could go to zero. And the, the same thing goes, I think, for game design, particularly with an established game. Like if you're working on Machine Zone, it's like you want to have 60% of somewhat safe bets. Like you work off of history. And whatever that number is, I think is a strategic decision, right? If you're building a new game, it's like, hey, we're going to try to double our revenue, right? Like we want to yeah. double revenue. That game better not be exactly like the game that yeah. you just made, right? just like you guys did it should be the neck whatever something's yeah. totally new we, we actually try to push this in our reports too like we'll try to talk about this as well and i don't think i do a better a good enough job of it being like yeah where is the next crazy thing like it's great yeah. for our business too because these genres pop up or whatever pops mm -hmm. up new things and then we got to cover it and new stuff but i agree it's a balance and it's an understanding of that risk reward and and having that conversation up front like hey these, the game designers have this idea. We have no idea how like it was going to work, but if it yeah. does, dude, yeah. it's going to double our revenue. Yeah. So we're doing it. Yeah. The, the PMs over here, they're going to build a leaderboard just like this one they saw over here. We think it's going to increase revenue by like 1%, which is yeah. great too, but they're both great. You just need to have yeah. that conversation up front. The hard part was at Machine Zone, like if you think about it, Machine Zone only made, we only made two games, right? We made X Wars, right? But they were all the same game, but different skins. And of course there was, you know, different, you know, feature sets in some of them at the older ones and stuff, the later ones um, in the game of war. And there's four skins of game of war. We have Final Fantasy at Mobile Strike and then World War Rising. I feel like Machine Zone, we had a $10 valuation at one point and we sold to Apple 11 for 500 million, right? I think we became so risk adverse that we didn't know what else to do, right? We all oh, just keep doing the same thing, keep doing the same thing. Mediocrity is like the worst teacher. We weren't completely failing, but we also weren't Game Buster success and we weren't taking, we weren't allowing ourselves to take the risks to be able to become that, right? Or to do that. But one of the things I think was really detrimental to Machine Zone was designers had uh, monthly revenue targets, sometimes daily revenue targets. And so what that meant was at the end of the month, they had to, you know, a certain number they had to reach. But the designer would, you know, come up with a feature and then ask an engineer for an estimate. If the estimate was more than two weeks, they would go, oh, no, I'm not going to do it because I need to get that feature made. I need to get it smoke tested. I need to get it in, into a, a alpha or beta and then I need to push it live. So hopefully I have enough time to make up some revenue with this new feature that came out. Multiply that by like, you know, years of just doing two, one day, two day, two week features at the max. Your games are stale. Your games are old and like the market's moving and it's moving quickly. And they're using Unity. They're using all the stuff that, that we didn't have. their own proprietary engine and no one would want to switch from it because, oh, it's a lot of risk because we haven't done it before and blah, 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 blah. Avoiding risk is risky too, is what I want to say basically. Because then you know, not to say that I'm in a bad position, but Machine Zone was 10 billion, valued at 10 billion at one point. And now, you know, we sold for 500 million, which is still great. 
but uh, because we were so trying to mitigate risk so much, we stopped doing, we stopped innovating. We stopped doing a lot of things that made us successful in the beginning, which was taking risk. We got our sound. Dude, that, dude that's a <laughs> mic drop. I mean, that's just a Boom. mic drop comment. Yeah, man. This is like, where's to live by, dude? I mean, it's sick. We always ask everyone like where they think the industry is going in the next like three to five years. I will say, I don't know, man. I have no idea. Um, I'll say this, <laughs> I do want to answer it. That's it. I have no idea. <laughs> Understand that you aren't going to predict the future accurately yeah. is core to being successful. Don't know how to predict the future. I don't know how to predict who's going to be good. I don't know how to predict how to hire people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know predict what's going to work. Right. And if those are all true, then I build my systems around the fact that there's a large percent chance I'm going to fail. Sure. And so how do I like mitigate the impact of all those failures? Right. Yeah. The thing that I've, that I've learned recently <laughs> is that I don't, I don't know much, man. I learned that recently. <laughs> like there's so many things that came out recently that I was like, oh, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. I mean, I was not the biggest supporter of crypto uh, to my detriment now, uh, but now I'm all in. I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. But when it came out, I was like, ah, it's not going to work. And then, you know, uh, NFTs recently came out and I'm like, ah, it's not going to work. But I, I wrote down in my, in my, in my journal, like, don't be, don't become a dinosaur. I, I even poo-pooed, um, you know, video live, live streaming video game stuff. I was like, why would somebody watch, want to watch play somebody play video games? Like, why? Oh, I don't get it. Yeah. And so I felt my, I found myself becoming that kind of like, oh, it's never, uh, uh, uh. what I, what I realized now is like, I don't know, man. I have no idea. I, I, and it's cool. It's fine. It's cool that I don't, I don't need to know. One of the, the stories that I, that I say sometimes is, you know, I started in video games, you know, uh, in coin op days, right. And coin op ruled the land. They were, you know, there was no competition. They were like, oh, we're going to make someone, we're just making money forever. And then, you know, console comes out, Nintendo and, and, uh, uh, coin up looks at it and is like, oh, they don't have the same hardware. They don't have the, we can't provide the same kind of experiences that we can. <sighs> don't be worried about it. Don't worry about them. And low, you know, Time, time, time goes on. Arcade goes the way of the dinosaur, and c- console can provide all the kind of experiences and the graphics, and even better than what arcade could do, right? Um, and I think console did the same to mobile. They were like, ah, it's a phone. Uh, well, they can't, they can't harm us. They can't, you know. I don't worry about those guys, right? Uh, and then, lo and behold, you know, time goes on. Not that console is going to go the way of dinosaur, but mobile did a lot more damage than console initially gave them credit, you know, that they thought they were going to do. Right. And so mm-hmm. uh, I'm in the mobile industry now. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out and I'm kind of going like, ah, guys, you know, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like, ah, those guys can't do anything. I know now that I don't know much. So I'm just going to try to, you know, stay, have an open mind and, and, and keep a, keep abreast of things and see what, what I, uh, you know, next thing is. That's sick, man. I, yeah. I add to that, that I almost think that when you say that's not going to work, that's almost should be a sign that it may be huge because yeah. huge ideas are contrarian yeah. and more than 50% or whatever percentage you want to put on it are going to think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. And those are the ideas that you're, you might want to stop and go, well, maybe it could be huge. Yeah. Right. And I often tell teams, if you want to be innovative, figure out how you test an idea that more than half of the team says is a terrible idea. Figure out how you still push that idea through because that is going to be the only way that you're going to get a 10x feature. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And thanks again to our friend Mike for coming on to the show. We hope you gained some valuable insight and we can't wait to make more episodes just like this one for you. So until then, here's a little something to close us out. Did your mom ever come around to video games as a job? (laughs) 
Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. She, she ate her words and she ate her humble pie and she was happy to do so. It was funny too. I talked, I was uh, talking to her about it the other day and she was like, you know what? I, she's like, I, I don't know why I didn't get this. She's like, but you're begging me to buy all these games and I'm spending all this money. I spent 200 bucks on all Nintendo and all these games. And she's like, and then I'm telling you, you can never make money playing video games, like doing video games. And I just spent all this money buying you video games. She's like, I don't know why I made, I didn't make the connection then. She's like, but I totally see it now. And she tells all of her her friends who have kids like if your kid has a passion for something allow them to follow it because don't don't poo poo on it like just allow them to follow it because if you do they'll have the the you know the fortitude to power through and muster through all the all the hardships that might get in their way and they might become very successful